This is On The Left Side, The Funny Football Show. I'm broken hearted, but next season we'll be back. We'll be back better and stronger. Hello and welcome to the very last On The Left Side of the regular season. We're flying off to recharge our batteries ahead of the World Cup and trying really hard not to get caught up in a tabloid expose involving a strip club, a bottle of Cristal and a rival team's kit. But we will be back soon for Russia 2018. The best way to keep up to date with everything we're up to around the finals is to follow us on Twitter, at On The Left Side, or by heading over to our Facebook page and searching On The Left Side Pod. You'll get all our videos there and an update whenever we're releasing a new podcast episode. So join TMOTLS there. But for now, on with the show. There were two massive games this weekend, two show-stopping finales to end the domestic season. And whilst it may have been the Champions League final that got the bells and whistles, it was arguably the Championship playoff final that was the big one, as Aston Villa and Fulham played at a match dubbed the biggest prize in football, rumoured to be worth 160 million quid to the winner. Just imagine what a team could do with 160 million quid. You could probably get um, one and a half decent midfielders, if you haggle a bit. It was always going to mean a lot for everybody involved, but no more so than the little fella Hayden, who won a competition to lead the Villa out onto the pitch at Wembley. This is the moment his dad told him he'd won. You know, on Saturday, how did you fancy walking out with the Villa players, and in particular the captain? John Terry. What do you reckon? Yeah. Fancy doing it? Yeah. You're walking out on Saturday with John Terry. Really? Really. Isn't that amazing or what? I don't think he gets it. Oh, it's not sunk in, has he? No, I don't think he has. <laughs> what? Hayden, on Saturday, yeah. you are walking out onto the pitch with... Wembley pitch. Yeah, Wembley pitch. Wembley. Yeah? With John Terry. Yes. Bloody Wembley. Come on. See that complicated? You're walking out with John... T- forget it. I wonder how long it took to explain the result to him after the game. Mm-hmm. His dad seems pretty chuffed though, to be honest. If it were me, I'd be a little bit more concerned about letting Terry anywhere near my family unit. An incredible story. Um, and I'm still looking to add to that. As for John Terry himself, Villa's loss isn't going to make him feel any better about the Champions League weekend as a whole as it was also the 10th anniversary of that penalty miss in the 2008 final that handed the trophy to Manchester United. And also the 10th anniversary of this hilarious Sky Sports interview with a Chelsea fan after that slip and that match. He's a world-class footballer. World-class, yeah? A world-class, yeah? He's always on the England team, yeah? He's always, yeah? This is nothing, yeah? This is just another trophy, yeah? That could have been put on our, like, silver cabinet, yeah? He'll come back from it, yeah? Chelsea, yeah? Chelsea? Yeah. I'm not really sure what he said in that interview, but he seemed very positive about it. Yeah. That man there should be given some credit. He invented Arsenal Fan TV before Arsenal Fan TV. Props. Yeah. Blood. But in terms of eyes on the match, there is no doubt that, in fact, the Champions League final was the bigger draw. And watching that for on the left side was at McGinley. No, 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 no. Carriers go. What the fuck? 
One team that will no doubt be dreaming of a sniff of Champions League action in the future will be the Arsenal as the post-Wenger era begins. He's been at the club so long, I think that in years to come, time itself will be measured in the period before and after he was at the club. BW, before Wenger, AW, after Wenger. So, we have now entered year 1AW and the Gunners have unveiled who will be taking the club forward into the future. And that man is former PSG boss Unaya Emery. Is the uh, hashtag Emery out trending on Twitter yet? No? Well, that's a pretty good start. The appointment's a sad indictment of modern football though, isn't it? Gone is Arsene Wenger, a man who was so ingrained in the world of Arsenal Football Club that he pretty much shared the same name. And into the club steps Emery, a man who pretty much shares his name with the main sponsor. Can we just all agree to call the stadium the Emirates now, yeah? In fact, there was big sponsorship news too this week for Arsenal, as they proudly announced they would be ruining their brand new home kit this season with the club's first ever official sleeve sponsor. And that honour fell to Visit Rwanda. It's a great opportunity for the African Nations Tourist Board to put its beautiful country on the map and show that nowadays it's a peaceful, developing country with plenty on offer. Many people in this country still associate Rwanda with the civil war and genocide of the past, but now, thanks to this partnership deal with Arsenal, they can now associate Rwanda with civil war, genocide, finishing fourth, and a few knobheads who say blood a lot. Blood. It certainly feels like a brave new world at Arsenal, and the new boss has ambitions for the club above a brief FA Cup run and qualification to European football. My, my English is not uh, very best uh, now, and uh, I want a big club, a great city, a grand stadium, and also a great player for, for this world. I love how he speaks English in the same way that most Brits speak Spanish, just by shouting a few words every now and again. Although, to be fair, with those Brits, those words tend to be beer, now, and oi Pedro. I wonder if his lack of English is going to be a problem in the Premier League, though. How is he going to speak to the English players at Arsenal, like Danny Welbeck and Jack Wiltshire and, um... Uh, uh, in fact, he's probably going to be OK. Plus, he's already better at speaking English than Harry Kane. And, and I'm no different. Uh, but look, it's been uh, as a footballer, uh, and, and that's the main focus for us, really. It's been a decent week for Harry, actually. The Tottenham striker has been awarded the captaincy by Gareth Southgate for England. Well, I say awarded. Southgate was about to give it to Jordan Henderson. But then Harry ran in at the last moment and, uh, you know what? I think we're done with that gag now, aren't we? In fact, the appointment was treated with uncharacteristic enthusiasm from the British press, who used all kinds of lions and roaring and war cry metaphors to herald the decision. In fact, let's hear a little bit of Harry Kane's war cry after his announcement. Do you believe England can win it? Yeah, I believe we can. I think anyone can. Wow, I mean, who could fail to be inspired by that kind of optimism? Yes, we could win the World Cup, but so could Panama, Morocco and Saudi Arabia. There is no doubt he is a great player. But personally, 
I'm not sure I can think of a single player that it's harder to imagine giving a blood-curdling war cry than Harry Kane. Hi guys, great win. Less like the MGM lion, more like the cowardly lion. Put him up, put him up! As far as the English media is concerned, however, they are well behind Harry being England captain, even praising him for getting up at 6.30 on his Bahamas holiday to watch the royal wedding. Personally, I'd be questioning his judgement of getting up at 6.30 on holiday. But no, as far as the papers are concerned, that is stone-cold proof of his suitability to lead England, with the Daily Mail claiming he was unashamedly patriotic. The very same paper, however, takes a completely different view on the holiday habits of another England player, Raheem Sterling. The morbid fascination with how young black footballers spend their money continued in the sun this week with the headline Raheem Sterling hires private jet and heads for two holidays. Not two holidays. Two? Man's a bloody monster. You'd think it might be considered good and healthy that a promising England player takes a little bit of a rest after a long season to recharge ahead of the World Cup campaign, wouldn't you? So maybe that's not the issue. Maybe it's because he hired a private jet. No, no, hang on, that can't be it. Because just two years ago, the very same paper ran the headline Raheem Sterling earns 200 grand a week but takes an £80 easy jet flight back from holiday. He literally cannot win. Although, as a Jamaican living in England, he's probably lucky he can get on a plane and choose his own destination right now. Maybe one day he'll be able to sprout his own wings and fly off on holiday to his chosen destination. And then the tabloid papers will finally deem him fit to wear the shirt. As for Prince Harry Kane, however, well, he may turn out to be a decent leader. I just really hope that Harry realises that just because he's captain doesn't mean he gets to take all the corners and free kicks again. That's it. The show is wrapped up. The season is wrapped up as well. We're taking a few weeks off from the Football Funny, but we'll be back with daily updates during the World Cup. So make sure you've hit subscribe on your podcasting device. Also, the daily updates will be perfect for your Amazon Flash Briefing if you have an Amazon Echo. So make sure you enable, on the left side, the Funny Football Show into your daily updates. Just ask Alexa to enable it now. And I will see you in Russia. Dos Vandalia. On the left side is written and produced by Jim Salverson and Ant McGinley. We saw the European Cup, but we all the fucking luck. We swear we keep on being cool, we'll bring it back.